Hey, everybody. Hello, hello. So um, I am, of course, excited about this call. When am I not? Um, I actually took a nap before, and I guess I fell asleep biting my cheek, and the side of my face is all kind of messed up because I had my, tooth, my wisdom tooth out last week. So um, we actually may keep it to time today because, ow. So <laughs> um, I do want you guys to be adding in the chat, though. You know, it helps me keep things moving and it helps me um, make sure that I'm touching on things that you guys want me to elaborate on. Um, apologize in advance if I drool, it might happen. So no better place for it to happen than on here with you guys though, right? Hopefully you love me either way. So today we're gonna do a little bit more um, efficiency planning and some more kind of action-based, um, we're gonna do an action-based lesson. We're gonna focus on working in modes, as well as uh, our triple D method, which some of you have been with me for a while, have heard that lesson before. It's always good for a refresher, um, but I'm gonna be hauling ass right in my book over the next couple of weeks. So um, some of these topics, as I'm revisiting my notes, I'm just, I'm seeing them come up more in our calls. If you were someone who had this topic on our call this week, and I figured it's a good, a good one to dive in again, into again. So any questions that you guys have, definitely put them in the chat and let's get into it. So modes, what the hell are modes? Um, and I find this, you know, whether you're one of our clients who does not have ADHD, um, is not neurodivergent, this should be helpful as well. Um, but especially for those of us who do have ADHD or some kind of neurodivergence, um, working in modes was kind of like a earth shattering concept to me because my whole life, you know, it's the paradox of the, of people with ADHD that we both crave and chase structure and consistency and doing the same thing over. And we want routine so bad. We just want the relaxation of knowing we're going to do the same thing every day, <laughs> but it's also hardwired into us to have an absolute rejection to anything that is extremely structured or routine or repetitive or mundane. It is this, the reason why ADHD is such a stressful issue um, is because people with it are never really the types that don't give a shit about doing things. We're actually very much the opposite. Tell me in the chat if you can relate. We might come across as perpetual mess ups, but it's absolutely so important to us to be on track and to do things well and to do things efficiently, consistently, um, and just, you know, not be seen as lazy by others. And so we fall in love with the idea of things like meal prepping and setting aside our clothes the night before and having a whole new skin routine or a new hair routine or, you know, some new process, a new diet, a new workout something that gives us some semblance of feeling like we are on track in some way. But then the sabotage comes in and when we're not sticking to those things, it's very difficult. For some reason, it feels like we just have like amnesia the next day. This could be true even if you don't have ADHD, if you have a very stressful, chaotic home life and you're juggling a lot of things, you know, it makes, it makes sense. So that alone is difficult. Factor in ADHD, which doesn't mean you just fidget. You know, doesn't mean you don't get your shit done. It means that you stress out like the world is on fire until it gets done. So 
coming up with the idea of modes, it was like a breath of fresh air because guys, I just want to, and you might hear me point this out to you in our sessions, results are all that matters. And I don't mean results like, you know, Jared holding his pants out to here. I mean, like the end result of anything you do is really what matters. It's not usually the process to get there that matters. We kind of have it built into us thinking that there is one way to do things to get to a certain set of preferred results or that there's one thing, you know, we should be listening to or one type of structure, one bedtime, one calendar, way that you book your calendar, whatever. It's like made up of what we think is the most on the straight and narrow or what we think is like how other people do it. But ultimately we get so lost in that and the process that we forget that it's really just the end result that matters. So if we need to figure out a way to get there that helps us stress less, get, you know, not feel sick, not have extra inflammation from stress, all of that, then everybody benefits. Um, part of this is embracing the idea of lazy, which is a very hard lesson. I grew up getting called lazy all the time, all the time. So for me, it was a very big trigger. It's how hard I worked in my career, how much, how hard I worked as a partner, um, as a friend, even, you know, bending over backwards constantly, all of it was always to fight that idea that I wasn't doing enough or I was lazy or I was taking advantage or taking the easy way out. Um, and then one day I realized, the fuck's so wrong with that? Why does it inherently mean doing a bad job or doing not, you know, like being, being a letdown, being mediocre, you know, like, why is that? Do we get extra points in heaven? Because we did the same thing as someone else, except it made us stress out to the point of wanting to friggin' scream in order to get there. No, the end result is all that matters. So how ahead of the game are we, if we can figure out a way to outsmart that and get to the end without the perpetual mountain of stress, building, building, consuming. If we can do that, we can you know, conquer the freaking world. It all starts with accepting that when laziness does not impede quality, that's the goal. <laughs> that's literally the goal is to do a good job with as little effort as possible. Why should it not be the goal? We don't like what, because you're gonna be sitting around being fed grapes by somebody, you know, getting a fan wafted over you. Like that's, it's such an extreme idea, but it's what I thought of at least when I thought of the idea of being okay with being lazy, right? Felt privileged, but it's not, we're still responsible for shit. It's just, we're not gonna be a chaotic mess getting that done. So how we can start, there's a lot in that topic. And if that is something that you relate to, then definitely tell me for our own private session or you're with your coach, but we're gonna talk about modes. <sighs> modes are the silent blocks of time where we're doing pretty much the same thing. Meaning you go to work, you're in work mode. You are cleaning, you're in cleaning mode. You are in rest mode, you know, um, whatever mode. We're all, all human beings. We fall into modes. And now What's extra difficult for people who have ADHD or who are just severely overwhelmed and are juggling a lot of stuff is our, we try to combine modes a lot. And you see that with something as simple, I mentioned it before, as meal prepping. 
why wouldn't you want to just get up off the couch or come in from outside on a summer Sunday to just cook three dozen boiled eggs and 57 chicken breasts and kale and put it into Tupperwares and lay it out on your, I don't know why anyone just can't stick to that. Besides the fact that it's arduous <laughs> and it's a lot of mess and a lot of actual work, it's taking time out of your mode that you want to be in to stop that and just get up and go enter into a new mode that nobody else is holding you responsible for. No one gives a shit if you meal prep or not. And we feel bad if we don't continue meal prepping, but do you guys see what I'm saying? Like we set those standards for ourselves. If that, I always say when I have clients who are like, I got to get better at meal prepping, usually when they're new, um, I hear that at least once. I don't know about my other coaches watching this, if you've heard that yet, but the meal prepping is the one to fall back on when we feel like pieces of shit. And I always say, I'm like, have you ever been a natural meal prepper? And they're like, no. And I'm like, listen, the ship has sailed. <laughs> you ain't never going to be a natural meal prepper. There are some people who just naturally prepare their foods this way. That's great. Good for them. Bazeltov, they're probably doing great. You know, they probably have problems too, to be honest. But my point is, unless that isn't just kind of how you operate, we're going to waste so much time trying to force ourselves into operating in that mode. So what you want to do is you want to maximize the modes that you find yourself in. So every time you're in the kitchen already, because you don't want to have to be there every single day after work, let's say, right? So anytime you are in the kitchen, because you absolutely have to be, try to get yourself something started for the next day, whether that's taking your meat out of the freezer for the next day, what? Because you're already just emphasized with my hands by hitting the counter really hard. Sorry. <laughs> um, you know whether that's taking the meat out of your uh, freezer for the next day, whether that is portioning out ingredients for the only dough into a sandwich bag and stuffing it back in the fridge. Whatever it is, find one little small step that you can just get started for the next day, and you could build momentum because you are already in the kitchen, you're already in that mode. So it's going to be easier to follow the momentum of being in that mode already and just trying to maximize that. That's going to be much easier than finding yourself trying to figure it out, you know, get it started out of the blue. And one second, I have to tell my mother to stop calling me because if I don't, she won't. So hang on. Okay, stop. It's probably literally nothing. She's probably just calling to see if I ate dinner. So <laughs> anyway, um, so now finding that mode is going to be the most important thing. So finding that mode for whatever you're doing, you want to think of it almost like a scavenger hunt, you know, and just like we were trying to do with the food where it's like, we want, you know, instead of doing chicken and kale and that's your effort, your effort here is finding stuff you can eat that agrees with you that you like. That's the work. That's the trial and error and blah, blah, blah. This is kind of like that. And you want to make it fun in looking for cheats and cheat cheating on your process to make it easier. Again, the goal is not to have the end result affected. The goal is just to make the process of getting that end result a little less stressful. So um, getting something started when you're in the kitchen. I love that. Boiling eggs. You're going to go in the kitchen to, to cook, throw a pot of eggs on and boil them for tomorrow. So you have them in the morning or you have them for lunch, for egg salad or whatever it is, you know, um, just find something. It doesn't have to be huge. The dopamine that you're going to release from getting yourself started 
is what's going to end up make causing that momentum and then making you continue. Laundry. This is my favorite hack. And everyone I tell this to is usually like, why didn't I think of that? And I'm like, I don't know. Did you pay me? <laughs> I've been thinking about this shit for like six years now. But um, when you're doing laundry, you're already in laundry mode, right? First of all, how many people can't stand folding clothes? It's maybe not even the folding that is the worst part. How about putting it away and keeping it folded? How about not pulling from the clean bin of clothes to just rewear whatever you just washed? Because then if you do that, you don't have to put it away. We do it all the time. I got a big ass bin of clothes in our room, right? So hang your stuff. If you have closet space, that's my first thing. Hang your stuff. Nobody gives a shit how your drawers and your closet are laid out. No one, except the person using them. And I mean, I, I don't think anyone really could, like if you were to set up your closets in your house that way, I don't think anyone would be like, this is dreadful. And if it were, they were, they could change their own closets back. You know, if you got like teens or whatever, I'm not saying go make over all your closets. I'm saying your closet, right? You're already in laundry mode. Hang your stuff instead of folding them because it's fast, easier, and it's in front of your face. A lot of the reason we don't even realize that we don't put stuff away if we feel like we're going to use them soon, because in our minds, like silently, it's more work that doesn't need to be there or need to be done, right? Like, I'm just going to use it tomorrow. We don't even have to, to, to consciously recognize that. So one first step, hang it. It's in front of your face. You don't have to worry about just pushing it, putting it away. Second of all, if you're already like, that's your, that's your tip. Like, wow, groundbreaking. When you're putting your clothes away, do not hang them up individual item by item and then group them together. Or if you are going to fold your clothes, don't just put away like shirts, pants, blah, blah, blah. Put it, put your stuff away in outfit format. You can swap out a shirt or a pair of pants if you're feeling like you're in the mood to when, when you're in the moment, but you're already doing laundry, bring your hangers with you. When that shit comes out of the dryer, you put it right into an outfit format right on the hanger. And there you go. So you know how I hear people say all the time, like I got to get my outfit prepared the night before. It'll save me so much time in the morning. And then they don't. Why? Because that's a mode. If you're in nighttime mode, you're not working, you're getting ready for the next day, you're in you time mode. And if no one is holding you accountable, because what do they care if you have your outfit sorted on a hanger, you're going to pick you time, which is normal and encouraged. It helps us regenerate. But you're right, it would help in the morning. So when you're already in a laundry room, you already are putting your clothes away in outfit format, you hang the shirt and the pants, shit, the bra, the underwear, do whatever, put it all on one hanger and you put that away, that's done. If you do five of those, when you do a weekly load of wash, your whole week's outfits are done. In the morning, it is throw on and go. Tidying up. How many, this is a huge one because when there is a lot to do and not a lot of physical time, and I mean, not even factoring in energy, mental or physical energy. But um, when you're at night, you know, we need that we need our spaces to be clean because we focus better, we feel better, we have better energy, you know, we feel more motivated, excited for the next day. But then it's also extremely difficult to clean. Space could be an issue, organization, 
Um, those of, you, of us in here who have OCD hoarding, you don't have to be an A&E special kind of hoarder to have hoarding tendencies, which can get away from you faster than you realize. I've had to clean out two huge doom rooms and basements. It's taken me three homes to figure out. And not for nothing, we built so much storage into this place on purpose because we needed to not need to break the cycle, right? But there's so much that I've learned from those two homes worth of hoarding that started out just a little messy. I just hold on to stuff. I get overwhelmed organizing. I love organization, but that was so hard for me to organize in my own life in, in practice. That, that's the paradox of our brains, right? So tidying up, do not, do not look around and think of what's going to take up, like make the most difference. Don't think about overhauling an area or a room or whatever. It is so important that you adopt a baby step mindset when it comes to tidying each day because you are not a piece of shit because you can't work a job, take care of a family, maintain a house, keep everything organized and put away, decorate like all the biddies on Pinterest, have a house that's clever like TikTok, like the TikTok influencers, you fix this, fix that, do all that. Like, you know, managing just like getting to work and feeding ourselves is a lot. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. So we have to kind of outsmart the same thing with our house or houses, you know, wherever our, our immediate area is and baby step it, look around and try to figure out what bothers me the most about the way this is left and find one thing that you can turn into a physical step from just one small area. Um, I remember for me, it was throwing out old like letters. Like I, part of my OCD was I couldn't handle dealing with mail. I couldn't handle like bills. I mean, back in the day, I like, I just couldn't afford like living. So I just knew if I didn't have money for it, I just, I wouldn't open it. And it wasn't like, like how dumb and avoid it. Like it was not, I was not well, you know? So I would have just bags of mail that I would keep. I wouldn't throw it out or shred it or whatever, but it's like, as soon as I opened it, it became real. The calls on my cell phone made it very obvious that it was real, regardless of opening the goddamn envelope. But my point my point for me was at one point it was just trying to find old letters to throw out. That was, that was my, my baby step. And it took me a while, you know, then the next one was garbage. I'm going to look around in this corner of the room and I'm going to look for stuff that I wouldn't donate and that I don't want to find a place to put right now. And then I would, that was my next step. My next step was I put stuff I do want to donate on that corner of the, in that side of the room. I put the stuff I want to sort through over there, got rid of the mess. I just chiseled away at the mess in room by room, corner by corner. And you will get somewhere that way. Sitting there in analysis paralysis because there's just too much going on around you will not get you anywhere. It will continue to add to the hoard. But it is, it's all about finding that one little part of the process to begin and just following momentum. Okay. Um, now let's say you don't have a hoarding type situation to work through. Let's say you don't, it's not really that bad. It's just normal house mess, right? Like, it's just like, I wish my house was tidier. That still counts. That's still set. That's still stressful. So my tip for you would be that every day before your quitting time, which we will get into, I want you to find, um, I want you to find one 
area in your direct path that can be tidied up a bit. That's all that means. Does that mean throwing stuff from the hamper in your bedroom into the laundry room? Does that mean um, putting the pile of containers that you took out from the dishwasher and left on the counter, putting it away? Does that mean putting away the condiments? You know, just one, just one. Find one thing to tidy before you go to bed. If you're like, I clean up my whole house before bed. If that's not stressful, kudos, that's great. <laughs> you know, but if you're someone who's like, I want to tidy before bed, but I don't have the energy to, don't put your energy into everything you would want to tidy. Put your energy into finding one thing that, again, it releases dopamine that just makes you feel like, okay, you might find yourself shit. You might start with that one thing and it might be like another issue where it's like now midnight and you're like, oh my God, I have to go to bed. You know, because the momentum, the power of dopamine is a really big thing. It's the getting started in that without any dopamine when, because all of your energy was spent all day, that is what we fall into. So starting with something that in all actuality takes physically barely any energy from you is mentally just going to make you feel a little bit more further ahead. Like, even though I felt like this, I still did this shit, you know, don't be an overachiever. It's dopamine's dopamine, right? So quit in time before we get into triple D. Quit in time and building a routine around quit in time versus assigning a time for things to be done. So for those of you who watch this and the hours between 10 p.m. and like 3 a.m. just seem to slip between your fingers and you're like, I am so exhausted. Why do I keep doing this to myself? I need to rest. I need to get better for tomorrow because I know I have hell to get through. Blah, 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 blah. We internalize like, what's wrong with me that I don't do this? No, it's that your brain, you are enjoying you time. Your brain is not paying attention to the time because there's nobody else that's paying attention to the time. Nobody else is demanding anything from you at that time of the day. So whether you take an hour to peruse your phone and it's the first time you can do that without having to deal with someone else, whether you're, you're doing that or you're putting a load of laundry in, right? Like what feels better? So let's say you do put that lawn load of laundry in and you're on your phone scrolling and you're like, I deserve this. This is me time. It's really easy. You know, you're watching a show and they, it's, you know, all of a sudden that are you still watching blah, blah, blah pops up. And it's like two 30 in the morning. And you're like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? I'm an adult. <laughs> like, why am I doing this? You know? That is understandable. So we have a quit in time. The thing with neurodivergence and with an overworked brain that just wants its me time, right? Is that you can't give it such strict parameters as if a drill sergeant is like there or something bad is gonna happen because our brain understands that that's bullshit. Subconsciously, our subconscious behavior has a lot of power, more than we realize. and. For my OCD ass, I hated that. But once you learn more about it, it starts to be like, hmm, maybe I have my own back. You know, so <clears throat> your subconscious mind goes, no one gives a shit if you do that or not. Just chill out. What's another half hour? You're always, you're tired anyway tomorrow. What's the big deal? Right? So we do a quit in time. Our hours is 11. And what that means is our alarms are set for 11 p.m every single day. When that starts, that's not meant to be your drop everything and go to bed time. I'm never not going to be a night owl. I've been built that way since I was born. 
Um, so I have the luxury of not having to be up really, really, really early the next day, you know? Um, and I just, you know, freak out in between, <laughs> just kidding, used to be. So 11 PM, my alarm goes off. That means, okay, let's clean up. If we're just chilling out after dinner and there's, and we're just like on our phones or watching TV and there's like still dishes out. Okay. Let's actually put those away. Okay. Let's close up. Um, I, I make my nightly tea, my cup of spearmint tea latte, and I make my jello with my whipped cream. That's like my nightly snack. I make it every single night. Knock wood. I still love it. It's been like months and I still love it. So let's hope that continues. But I make that. Um, we clean the pads. Like if the dogs went to the bathroom or anything, we clean the pads that are there. We uh, usually I'll run around and my husband loves, I don't know if anyone else's husband does, but my husband loves to be shirtless when we're home, just hanging out. But there's like a new shirt that gets worn every few hours. So where does that shirt get taken off and put in our kitchen or living room at some point? So I'll like run around and grab the shirts, and like throw them. That's my tidying task that I feel good about is I make sure garbage is thrown away. I make sure lingering t-shirts are put in the laundry room. <laughs> so I do that at 11. Um, and then if we're showering that night, I say we, Nick and I shower together. There's no hanky panky. That's just our routine. We love being in the galaxy shower together. We built a two person shower for that. We get our kicks where we can guys. So if we're showering that night, we go, we get, you know, put the towels in the towel warmer. I set up my galaxy light. Like this is like, I try to romanticize and luxuriate in my nighttime with things that don't really take much time. It really doesn't take as much time, any more time than it takes to grab the towel out of the closet and go put it on the sink or the hook in the bathroom. Instead, I put it in a towel warmer. It's really nothing that serious. And instead of flipping a light on, I flip my galaxy light on, but it causes this like lovely me time that's still kind of productive. And I didn't, I didn't say to myself, like, sometimes I set that quit in time alarm and I'm in the middle of something. Right. But I know when that alarm goes off, I got to finish up what I'm doing, get my shit together and get to bed. Right. So sometimes I stay up late still. And sometimes I go to bed right after, you know, but having that quitting time, like I can't imagine how much later I would be up if I didn't have that strict, like quitting time to follow that measure that just basically like nudges me onto the track of getting to bed and then still allows room and flexibility for enjoyment and me time in the process. So figure out what quitting time might be for you. That's best. Mine's 11. I, cause I, like I said, I'm, we're, we're night owls. We always have been. So, um, that makes sense for us. It keeps us on track to be in bed when we need to be, but for you, that might be 8 PM. That might be 10 PM. You know, who says you can't ever move it again. If that's not working it out, working out for you, you know, the goal is to not be stressed by the quitting time. So I would suggest trying that out. All right. Lastly, um, the triple D method. So sweating my off right now. I don't like so hot. Nope. Well, maybe that's a sign that I just shouldn't be wearing a sweater. So triple D method. <sighs> just put my tits right on the camera. I apologize, but I'm like wilting. So um, triple D is three, three Ds. <laughs> Duplicate, designate, delegate. Duplicate, designate, delegate. All right, duplicate. So the idea of duplicating yourself is if you answer the same question over and over and over again, 
if you like, and this could be at work, this could be at home. Um, if you hate the dinner question, the, what are we going to do for dinner tonight? You know, maybe you can create the ideas to create some kind of resource that duplicates what you needlessly say and do every single day repetitively that you wish you didn't have to. So for me, um, and that was easy enough to start at work. Right. But at home, what that became was for like a couple of weeks, I just kept a re like an open, um, note on my phone. And whenever there was a situation that, cause I didn't, I, if you were to ask me, what do you repeat at home a lot? I wouldn't have known what to tell you. So I took a couple of weeks to figure out what can be streamlined. Like I look at my job this way, but looking at my home life this way from what goes on and what we do, what can be made into a resource? What can be made into a checklist or a schedule or some kind of resource that doesn't depend on being up here, but is on something and duplicating my brain essentially. And that's what you want to do. You want to figure that out at work. Are you answering the same questions? Make an, a, you know, a frequently asked questions document. Even if you have to send that link to people repeatedly, it's going to be a lot easier to just send them a link you have saved somewhere easily accessible than it is to be to write it all out and repeat the process over and over again. Um, if you want to create it, if you have the luxury to be able to create systems at your job, if something's not working efficiently for you, sit and journal on it. How could we, how could your department duplicate themselves? How could this be a better process than relying on one person, whether it's you or someone else to always be the bottleneck, right? So finding ways to duplicate our voice and ourselves. Delegate. That's pretty simple, not so much for people pleasers, but a few things about that. When you're delegating something out to someone else, this doesn't even have to be just at work. It could be at home. How many times, how, how many of you guys hearing this feel bad asking for someone to do something at home just simply because it helps you out? Just simply because you don't feel like doing it. Does that happen a lot? We feel like, oh my God, I'm the worst. I'm the, I can't believe. And, and to the person we're asking, they're just like, yeah, sure. Typically, if it's something small, right? But we don't even think to ask them for stuff that's small. We don't even think to say, hey, can this be your responsibility from now on? Like, I am just so spent. Can we like, can we figure something out where like how, you know, with that comes letting go of it being done the way you do it. and. It, it comes with letting go of if someone's excited to do it or not. Because how many times have you guys asked someone for help and they do it and they half-ass it or they have a mope on their face and they're just like, and they just, it's like, it's like, I, I don't even want to ask. It's not even worth the hassle of asking from now on if I have to deal with this. Familiar? I've been there. Um no, your life is still going to be exponentially easier. When you let go of the fact that done is done enough and that results are all that matter, nobody is at jeopardy, nobody is being neglectful. It's just not done with the level of intricacy or care that you would, but literally everyone is okay that it's not done that way. That's how you know that's a delegatable thing. If it's not going to put anyone's life in jeopardy, job in jeopardy, home, marriage, relationship, friendship, whatever, if it's not going to put anything in jeopardy, then you, if it's not done exactly the way you do it, that can be something off your plate. 
And the nervousness you feel about it not being done that way when you're the only one who needs it done that way. And again, I'm not meaning to speak like um, in a patronizing way. I, this is a talk I've had with myself many times, but if you're the only one upset about it not being done the way that you want it and everyone else is satisfied, then that feeling of anxiousness about letting it be done less, not as well as you do it will go away. The more you see how safe it is to not have it be done at that level, because it's still done enough, it's still good, everybody else is good, it will be easier to let go. It's not innate, right? It was not for me either. And it took time for sure. Um, and it took time to not feel like a complete and utter slacker or like I wasn't letting go of something I loved and all of this stuff when really it was just taking responsibility for things I didn't need to because it made me feel important when no one else even really recognized that that next step above took the life out of me. I haven't hung up most things on my wall from moving over a month ago. You got someone you can ask? Let's go. Here's a, here's a, a drill gun. I'll show you how to use it. The first one's free on me. I'll put it in and there you go. You know, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask. I mean, again, I hate giving kid advice, right? Because I don't have a kid. But from the outside looking in, ask your kids to do more shit, <laughs> you know? Like teach them how to, because here's the thing, the part about delegating that people pleasers don't realize is that people don't like, even, I'm not talking about kids grumbling about cleaning their room or whatever. That's just like normal. But I'm talking about like in the workplace or in adult life, in relationships, whatever. If there is, a, is, if there is an environment created of less pressure where you're not going to kill them if they don't do it the way you want them to do it, right? People like being given the chance to help. They like being given the chance to step up. They like being given the chance to learn new things and get stronger at new things. I'm not saying everybody, but if you've ever wondered why you can't come, you don't come across people who care as much as you do, Ask yourself if you've created the safest environment for them to care as much as you do. Because that was a big wake up call for me, you know, is to say to myself, like, I just want people to step up and take ownership of stuff. But no, I wanted them to do it in the way that would be like a replica of me. And that's not possible. But people do like being given the chance to make you happy, to help out, to prove themselves, to grow, to get stronger, to feel like they did it to feel like people trust them to do things. Like they're not fuck ups in their own right. You know, it's surprising when you start to encounter that. Cause doesn't it feel good when you do something for someone you care about if they really needed help? Like, let's say your partner was having like the worst week ever. I sip, you sip, we sip. Drink up, I'm slacking the Zoom. Um, <clears throat> that's why it hurts, okay. So um, when someone you love is having the worst day ever and you do something relatively small that helps them feel better, doesn't it feel good? If your partner was going through hell and they felt like crap physically, mentally, they were hurting and they were hiding it. They were feeling sick. They were feeling just like completely spent and they were hiding it from you. And you found that out because they were like, well, I just, I don't know. I had to handle it myself. Would, would you be pissed off that they didn't care? They didn't trust in you enough to ask for help or tell you what was going on 
or anything. They didn't share with you at all. It wouldn't feel like, oh, they're just going through their own thing and don't want to be a burden on me. It would feel like they don't want to include you or trust you or lean on you. And that's, that's more in the, you know, lovey, familial romance way. And it's not always the case by a long shot, but it's not so much in the workplace that someone has, you know, it's like, I just want them to love me. But if they're trying to grow their careers and you are their supervisor and they do give a shit about their job, but they just are absolutely unsure how in a, how in a million years they could impress you. Give them the opportunity to, because it also takes something off your plate. Delegating is not always bad. It doesn't make you a lazy boss that just wants to kick back with their feet up and everybody else scuffle. You wouldn't just be chilling out, doing nothing after delegating that task, right? You're delegating it because you have so much shit to do. So don't, just remind yourself, like delegation is not a cop-out. It's not a bad thing. It's not reducing quality. It is strengthening how everyone gets things done, including you. Okay, and then lastly, designate. This is my favorite one, designating. So this is especially helpful for ADHD and for OCD tendencies, right? If you're in the middle of something and something pops up that you forgot, um, a deadline for a bill, a appointment that's coming up at the end of the week uh, that you don't know if you put in your calendar or not, um, just anything, any of the million thoughts that can just ping, come up to the front when you're absolutely not in the mode to deal with that. Don't, do not jolt yourself from what you're doing to take care of it. No matter how quick it seems like it would be to do so, that is just your brain trying to divert, right? You're trying to do too much. It's not gonna fall through the cracks if you wait till later. If you write it down and you literally designate a time to go back and reflect on it. This, I use this for thoughts, right? Like if I am thinking about, uh, oh, I've been doing this with the retreat a lot lately because something new will pop up in my head that I got to remember and organize for the retreat. And it's, nobody's working in front of me. It'd be easy for me to stop that and go do that. But then I'd have to come back to what I was doing and it's a mess. So instead I look at my phone. I'm like, okay, when is my next block between calls? Do I have a text? Do I have to text back during this block? Okay. Um, can I wait? Can I like, I try to organize when I can even think about that thing. So you take, a, you take that minute, you put it in your phone or you put it, you write it down, you schedule the time to think about it so that your brain doesn't have the anxiety of don't forget that thing. Don't forget that thing because it exists somewhere else. So subconsciously you don't have to hold on to it and you can go back to being present to what you're doing. Now, of course, if the thing you remember actually is more time sensitive than what you're working on then you would designate back in your phone or on that notepad when to go back to what you're working on. Because there will be things that come up, you're, you're like, oh shit. And that is something you have to get on top of first, but that allows you to not let what you're doing fall to the wayside. If you have a topic you wanna bring up with your partner, don't just text it off in the middle of the day. Oh, for the love of God, don't do that. One, you're probably texting it in a panic. It's not going to get read in the tone in which you anticipated sending it in. So the other person reading it is either not going to realize it's that serious or they're going to think it's way more serious than it is. And you're not going to get a satisfying response and your attention is going to be diverted from what you're doing. Instead, you write it down. At this time, I can text them. At this time, I can even think about what to text them. 
And it's just constantly leaving those little like breadcrumbs so that you can go from point A to point B instead of having to go point A through Z back to B, you know? And that's just kind of when, whether you have ADHD and that, and that impulse is strong to do that, or if you're over friggin' whelmed and you're still going to have that impulse to just kind of be all over the place if you're dealing with juggling a lot of plates. Um, whatever the intensity of it is, designating a time to, to provide your attention to that is like setting yourself up to like not have to always be wearing a million hats. It's impossible. Another thing that helps me with designate, by the way, with OCD, um, with the hoarding stuff, I am notorious where I, I think to save things for sentimental value, which is, you know, hoarding in a nutshell, but it's also to craft with it or to remake it, to use it for something, to put it on display somehow, to do something fanciful with it. That's like my goal. But then I stop and I say, okay, put it in your phone, put in your phone this week when you're going to work on that. And immediately I go, oh, I don't want to do that. That's like, eventually, eventually, eventually when, when are you going to have time? When is your life going to be calm enough for you to be like, which one of my many crafts do I feel like throwing in rotation today? When you're retired, <laughs> you know, like, so honestly, whenever you have something that pops up as a good idea, say to yourself, all right, when am I going to schedule that in? And that's how, you know, it deserves the real estate in your house and in your potential schedule right? If, if you do actually want to do it, but nine times out of 10, you're just like, fuck that, throw it away. I did that. We poured the epoxy on, on the table and the drippings from the epoxy looked really cool. It looked like icicles and like, I don't know, it's a ton of product you waste when you do epoxy. It drives me insane uh, to do like a poured top. So I was like, I couldn't let go of these epoxy drippings for, um, I want to say it was like two weeks. Nick was so patient. He was like, you still want to do this craft? You still want to keep these? I had no idea what I wanted to do with them. They just looked cool. And I do that with a lot of different stuff. And I'm just, or like if I find old antiques that I have to do so much work to, to even make it usable, but I'm like, for what? Am I going to sell it? Am I going to use it? I look to book it in my calendar and it's real sobering real quick about what you actually want to have in your space or not. And there have been projects that I have actually put in my phone and have been glad that I did that you know, but um, it just helps with the constant piling up of hopeful projects that we add on to our busy ass lives already. So, all right. Any questions before we jump? Um, I mean, eh, 8.45, I kind of kind of kept it, but I feel like what the hell could I teach you in a half hour a week? That's all that great. If we go over, I hope it's for relevancy. Um, but before we jump, from the modes, from the triple D method, I want to know any questions at all, anything you want me to clarify or give you an example of how I would do it. Um, pick my brain in the chat. I'll wait here for a couple minutes. Anyone else? Thank you for tuning in. Love you. Want to hear what you thought? Text me, tell me, let's follow up. But if you're in this, if you're in this zoom and you want to ask for clarification, I would love to clarify. <clears throat> is there anything better than cold lemonade after you've been talking for a while and you have a dry throat? It doesn't feel good here, but it tastes so good. It's so refreshing. 
asking questions in the chat there. Any clarification you need, any um, situation, sticky situation you've run into where you, you know, want me to walk you through it. Can you hear my dog snoring in the background? That's that's little Sam, if you can. Silly boy. Um, so what do you do when you already have like 500 bags of laundry? You start with one. You start with one load, one item, one type, whatever your whatever energetically like speaks to you that this is the step I want to start with. Um, but you just start small and you make your way through. Um, if you have, if you have the means, I wouldn't, even if I had the means, I don't know that I would do this. I think it's one of those, like, this just sounds really nice to do, but you could take it to a wash and fold and have them take some of the load off. But I find that that's very pricey. And again, for my ADHD brain, the idea of bagging things up, going to the place, handing them the shit, going back to get the shit, going home with said shit, like that is just so many steps that I'm like, I'll say that I'm going to do that and it'll never get done. So, um, but if you're the type to get that done, enjoy that wash and fold. That is, that sounds lovely. So I have to buy a washer dryer this weekend, been taking it to the place to get it done. Whatever works and result is end result. Um, we have services here that pick up at your door and then deliver it folded. If that's within your means, oh my God, I, I, I haven't even checked if we have that available, to be honest. Um, I haven't used it yet, but they do it by the pound and it's actually not bad when you really need it. We did a wash and fold once. I think we were moving and it was like an overwhelming amount. Um, and I forget how we did that. I forgot how much we even took there. But anyway, if that's a possibility, definitely do it that way. Um, but if you have a lot to sort through to even then bring it to the wash and fold or call the wash and fold place, then start small, little bits. Okay, um, meal prep stuff. I want so badly to meal prep and I feel like it's helpful for me, but some weeks I just fall off and I feel so lost when it comes to eating in general. What the heck do I do? I love this question. Also, I don't like what I prep for more than four days. That's why I don't like meal prepping. So I need to do it like every two days, but that's obviously not easy. Okay, here's the thing. I don't know what I'm going to eat that day when I wake up in the morning and I have made peace with that. I keep food, I only keep the food in my house that if I was in the mood to eat any of it, I could and it wouldn't affect me. That took a lot of time and a lot of work to even understand what those items were. So that's why we try to get comfy with the idea of it not being fast and this being slow. Because if you're learning how to set up the rest of your life in a way that doesn't require a ton of thought, you're gonna have to go bit by bit in the beginning because otherwise it's just really stressful. It's never gonna stick. It's never gonna feel sustainable. And then that's it, you know? So. Um, I think that having just a bunch of different food available in my fridge and in my pantry that I could play with that wouldn't either way, wouldn't affect me. I can be in the moment with what, what do I feel like eating texturally, 
flavor wise, what do I feel like? And then I've developed just easy things over time that like I look forward to having. Like that only dough I showed you guys in the Zoom last week. I love that shit. <laughs> like it's so good, you know? Um, and we keep this stuff on hand to make it when we want and we throw it together. That's why a lot of my meals are not plan ahead kind of meals. They're not, um, you see in my stories, I do a lot of pantry dumps, you know, um, stuff like that because I can't plan ahead. I don't know that I'm gonna wanna eat that shit when time comes. I don't know why I'm saying shit so much tonight, but um, it's a sentence enhancer, I guess. I don't know what I'm going to want to eat when the time comes. I don't know what I'm going to want to cook when the time comes. I've even ordered takeout when the time comes. It's just that I do it all hormone friendly so that I can leave that option up to myself to be based on my sensory issues at that time. Like what I'm even going to feel is like exciting to eat, you know? Um, and now I see it coming too. Like I'll get obsessed with certain foods and then I'll know when I start eating half of it and leaving the other half for later, and I'm not just excited to eat the whole thing in that moment, that's when you know that food is about to be out of rotation for a few months. And um, I'll, start, I'll start winding down how much I buy of it in anticipation. We go along with the way our brains work here. That's the idea. We're never going to outsmart it. Our brain can't outsmart our brain, right? That's just how our brain works. So if we go along with it, the result is all that matters. Um, let's see what else we said here. So for meal prepping, if you do find it's helpful for you, prep parts of it, like get your meats taken out of the freezer and, um, any kind of time, anytime doing a cutlet or any kind of tenderloin or whatever, I'm always pounding it thinner. It tenderizes it. So like, okay, maybe that night I will pound out chicken for the next day, put it back in the fridge. Maybe I'll, like I said before, I'll portion out only dough, like just the ingredients in a sandwich bag and leave it in my fridge. Um, maybe I'll put an Instacart order in for the next day for just meats if I go in my freezer and realize there's not a whole lot there. You know, it, it can be touch and go. It's the stress of not wanting it to be touch and go. That's the hard part is, is not trusting ourselves to manage that touch and go. But that's why you got coaches. Try that out for a week, for this week and see if you can get down with that laxity and see that in the end, it still works out great. And it's actually less stressful. I hope that that answered your question. Um, Sydney, send me a text with more specifics. Uh, and we can actually, we can pinpoint some stuff to try out this week. <sighs> okay. Um, I waste so much food. I need help with this also, but food with great intentions. That, yep. So Ashley, did, did you feel like that helped you as well? Answering Sydney's question? And for lunch, lunch is the hardest thing. I literally view lunch as just getting calories down my gullet because it's like, I don't feel like thinking about flavor in the middle of the day. I don't feel like stopping what I'm doing and like cooking, you know, and that's me with the luxury of like being home and having appointments throughout the day. Like I could book some time to cook if I wanted in the middle of the day. I don't want to, I'm not even feeling inspired to eat or like, I don't know what flavor I want at that time, you know? Um, so I just view lunch as like, what are calories that are around that I have laying around that don't make me feel nauseous thinking about eating them? Cause I don't like, I don't want to eat anything I'm turned off by, which can be anything at any time. Um, so that's also why I kind of leave it for on the go because I don't know to plan ahead. I don't want to be upset about a meal that is like the <laughs> last thing I want to do. Um, I've been 
trying to find just one fun recipe I want to add in my grocery order, but focusing on ingredients, I like, yes, I wouldn't, I would focus on the technique in which you make it because that changes up the texture of the final product, whether you're air frying it, grilling it, uh, baking it, whatever. So like find techniques that you like and like different textures that they cause that you like, like just keep them on, you know, remember them, find flavors that you like, ingredients that you like. And when you're in the moment, say to yourself, what am I in the mood for? Like yesterday I had Nick pick up scallops. I'm making, I'm pointing because it's right behind my computer. (laughs) My dinner is laid out on the counter, but I'm going to make scallops really quick after the zoom because they take like five minutes to make. They're delicious. Um, They're all protein, you know, and I didn't know how I was going to make them. I just said, buy them. I'll have scallops at some point in the next couple of days. And um, I'm feeling like a little bit of maybe like a sear on the outside with salt, pepper, lemon, maybe a little soy sauce. Simple. I just like the texture of them seared. So I know that. Um, yes, don't resist the touch and go. Go along with it. As long as you're keeping aware of what it is that it includes, you know, then you're okay to just be on the fly. Um, okay. Uh, what do you mean, cheese and nuts? I don't know if I missed that one. I might be brain farting. Okay. So, oh, for lunch. Yeah. Easy calories. Um, I really like, what do I do? I get the, I even do the uh, keto chocolate chip cookie cups from Duncan Hines, the microwave ones. I use uh, avocado oil instead of butter to kind of like up the fat and the calories in it. I'll have one of those for lunch. And then a little while later, I'll have like a tea latte or I'll have um, a piece of base culture toast with some lox cream cheese spread. And that's what, and I'll munch on that for, it takes me a while. If I'm not hungry that day, oh my God, I'm just, I'm forcefully taking a bite every so often. But I have my basics just chilling in my fridge, ready to be eaten. However, I feel like eating them at that time. Bought some ground beef and veggies this week just to throw together in different ways. Hell yeah. If you change up how you cook it and you change up how you flavor it, the same ingredients can yield so many different options. And it's easy to shop that way too. If you, cause you're not going to buy like new seasonings and condiments every time you go to the store, you know, you're going to buy them once and it's going to give you a few batches. So if you just start building up your seasonings and ingredients and stuff like that, you get your basics, the same shit. Every time you go to the store, meats, veggies, this, that, blah, blah, blah. But you can change up what you create with the way you cook it and the seasonings you use. Um, we were talking about lunch, not making it a meal. Honestly, I try to have grab and go stuff ready. I get tuna salad ready-made from a deli counter at the store. Um, I'll throw that on some kind of something I have in my fridge, whether it's a romaine leaf or a piece of base culture, you know, or I'll have, I love lox spread. I might want to put it on various things for lunch. So I'll just be like, okay, I need to get this lox spread in because it's cream cheese, good calories. You know, what can I put it on? And I look for something to put it on in my fridge. Um, and that still counts. My body doesn't give a shit if it's a fancy meal or not. Okay, guys, my mouth is killing me. So I'm going to go. But if there's any other questions you guys have, or if you want me to clarify triple D anymore for you guys, I will gladly do so. Just shoot me a text. I'm still getting back to them from last week with the tooth. Um, so I might be a little delayed the first couple of days of the week um, as I'm just kind of digging out. 
but uh, love you, appreciate you. And if you need anything, we are here. Bye.